This is the Daily Wrestling News for December 24th, 2020. I am coming to you live from Minister Beltheim Studios on the beautiful treasure coast of the Sunshine State. My name is Ryan Joy, and I am joined today once again by the salesman of fun, Travis Severance. Travis, how are you? Great. Happy Christmas Eve, everybody out there listening. And I will I will go ahead and say, I did lie. We are not live. So <laughs> we... We are recording this episode on Tuesday. Uh, it's a very special episode. Uh, we are going to do our ridiculously random question, but we're going to talk about kind of the year that was, what we're happy about, what we'd like to see in 2021. We'll do some speculation on the Royal Rumble since we're about a month away, six weeks. Uh, we'll do trivia and we'll get out of here and wish everybody a Merry Christmas. So are you ready, Travis? I'm ready. All right. Today's ridiculously random non-wrestling, the audience needs to know you better question of the day is brought to you by Free Cake, the new album from the Black Cats, available now everywhere you listen to music. Travis, the question is, what board game did you play most recently? So um, the most recent game on tabletop that I played recently, not board game because I've been practicing my social distancing as best as I can. So I've been doing a lot of solo gameplay is I played the Lord of the Rings card game by Fantasy Flight Games. It's a lot of fun. It kind of takes you through all the Tolkien lore. You build a deck with cards that are featured from people from the Fellowship and even the, you know, the Hobbit and things like that. And then you're actually playing against a, a, a another deck that has a different quest or a different mission that you've seen in Tolkien lore. And they each have kind of these different challenges. So it's, um, it's a card game, but it's, it's, it's really about solving puzzles with the pieces that you sort of have in your deck of cards. So that's been a lot of fun. Yeah, that sounds fun for me. It's Chronicles of crime, um, which is, uh, it, uh, I play it with my wife, so I'm still socially distant, <laughs> but, uh, but, um, it's, kind of a it's a, like a it's a game where you get a mystery and you go around following leads and there's you use your phone to like see the crime scene you hold it up and you move around 360 and stuff like that to see it and then you're you're kind of annotating what you see and then the per, other person is like picking up the lead cards and then you follow them and sometimes they go nowhere sometimes they go somewhere and then you try to ultimately solve the the case by going and talking to different uh coroner and journalists and things like that. So it's fun. Very cool. Okay. My phone is blowing up over here. Everybody trying to get it in the hotline that we haven't advertised. Yeah, I know. I know that's, that's coming folks. It's down the road, down the road. <laughs> um, to make matters worse, I'm looking out the window and I see my landscapers coming around. So this could get, this could be a very interesting Christmas Eve edition of the show. <laughs> so, uh, things I'm thankful for in wrestling. We didn't talk about who's going to go first, but we both did five. So Travis, why don't you lead off with your number one? So number one for me is collaboration between shows. Um, I'm happy to see that happening um, with frequency now. 
Um, it felt like with AEW's collaboration initially, it was kind of out of necessity. Like they had a lot of women's talent that kind of went down or the, the women's division was a little bit in rough shape. Statlander got hurt and stuff. So they, they kind of brought in Thunder Rosa to, to sort of beef it up. And, and, and it worked out really well because, you know, NWA at the time wasn't really doing anything in terms of production and stuff. So it allowed them to shine some spotlight on those wrestlers and, you know, beef up a women's division and kind of create something that was kind of a little bit floundering there for AEW. So number one on my list is uh, I like the wrestling companies are open to working together. <laughs> so I guess we're on the same page. And I'd like to see more of it. I'm, and AEW with Impact, AEW with NWA, uh, Impact with New Japan, with Chris Bay going to the Super J Cup. Yep. Um, you know, it's it's nice. It opens up a lot of possibilities. And even MLW talent, I've noticed, there are on New Japan. They're on Impact. So you know, there's, there's options and it just opens up storylines, especially when you, like you mentioned, somebody goes down and you need to inject something into the, into the brand. Yeah. Um, so it's good. Even, even Brian Pillman Jr. Coming over and doing the AEW stuff. That was yes. kind of a bit of a clue. Yep. yep. Okay. So what's your number two? Because we had the same number one. So number two is, is uh, limited cinematic matches. Now we saw a lot of cinematic matches this year and I felt, like some of them kind of fell short, but a few of them were pretty good. Obviously, I think the best one was probably the Boneyard match. It's hard to, um, I think that's hard to debate. Um, that came off really, really well. I, I enjoyed the House of Horrors match as well. Um, you know, and it, it, AEW kind of took a different route and they, you know, instead of going fantastical, they went more comedic. And I thought, you know, the levy that it brought to those shows was was kind of fun. And obviously you don't get to see a lot of water tank wrestling going sure. on. Um, not that this is, you know, a, a dynamic or new presentation. I mean, we saw, you know, halftime horror or whatever with the rock and mankind many years back during the Super Bowl and different things like that. Um, but I think, you know, cinematic matches have a space if, if they're done and they're done in the right way. So uh, number five on my, my list is the pandemic led to an injection of creativity in the wrestling market with cinematic matches, Thunderdome, outside venues, virtual fan experience stuff. And I don't, I don't want to lose all that when the pandemic ends. Right. So some yep, similar agree. things that you're saying. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, and even before the show went on the air, we were talking about WWE struggling to fill arenas prior to the pandemic. Um, when it comes back, they'll probably fill arenas pretty well the first, you know, couple runs, but there's this concept in my head of why don't they just use the Thunderdome to fill the rest of the crowd in. Um, it might be a cool atmosphere. Yeah. Yeah. That would be a neat way to do it for sure. So um, I believe we're kind of going two for two with our, with our uh, hopes so or things that we far, learned. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what do you got for your third? So number three for me is uh, I, I actually enjoyed in, in, I, I think they had gone away from this a little bit and obviously we didn't see much of that in AEW because they're new, but longer title reigns for the big belts. Um, champions holding on to belts for a significant period of time. We saw the women's run was pretty long. Drew's run was really long. Moxley's run was really long. Now, whether that was created because of the pandemic and the situation. So we were kind of, you know, stuck in this place where we didn't have a lot of um, stellar opportunities to do a title change or a big crowd pop or anything like that. Um, it was good to see the belts on, on those shows go for longer periods of time. It allowed significance there. And there was a, you know, multiple title reigns, 
or that that were long with a lot of different opponents and in and, and really good matches in between. So that was I, I appreciated seeing that as opposed to them just using that kind of as a token to pop somebody or to to increase their their um, their essence with the audience, I guess. Yeah, I, I agree, and I, and I think it goes it goes beyond um, the AEW side, right? Like AEW had had three champions in their sixteen months of television, I guess. Um, three world champions, but she just had that belt since May. Mm-hmm. Um, and on WWE side, like you mentioned, Drew had a long title reign. Bailey had a very long title reign. Even Bobby Lashley's had the United States Championship for a long time. And the Street Profits actually have been tag champions since March third, second, something like that. So, yep. so I, I do think the long reigns bring integrity to the championship. So I agree with you. Um. I had Ring of Honor's Pure Division as mm-hmm. something I'm thankful for. Um, when they when they came back from pandemic and they introduced the the Pure Tournament, it was like something I I've never seen before um, in wrestling, and it was perfect for pandemic style where there's no crowds and stuff. They could focus in tight on the wrestling, um, and they're counting rope breaks and they're counting closed fists and things like that. So. It just gave them different storytelling that they could do. And at this point, they've had probably 20 or 30 pure matches, and they're all different. And they had a pure tag match on Final Battle. Again, different. So it's a, it's it adds a layer that we didn't have previously. And I don't I don't want to see it overdone, but I do want to see it stay. Yeah, it's nice to see a company go back to rules matter and yeah. really sticking with rules very tightly because, boy you know as we've seen both you know AEW's certainly uh stretches the rules i think we're still at only one dq ever in any matches and wwe it's kind of the wild west when we get outside of the ring too so yeah seeing them take that approach it, it it's odd that you know rules mattering is a dynamic way to do wrestling now but i think i think it does help with the production for sure you know, anybody that follows me on uh, social media knows that I time all the matches and I list that when I do results and stuff. MLW and Ring of Honor have, and New Japan for that matter, have all started announcing the match times at the end of when the bell rings. WWE, they don't even ring the bell most of the time, so uh, it's, a, it's a little different. But I think they took that cue from me, and if they didn't, I'm still saying they did. So I'm pretty sure that's the case. Yeah, me too. Okay, what's your number four? Number four is... Um at least on the AEW side, I know we sat in the middle of um, StarCast waiting to go uh, before the pay-per-view in Chicago two years ago, and we listened to Cody Rhodes talk about being challenged with the fact that his roster was not extremely diverse. Now, obviously, Brandy Rhodes is his wife, and they he said, you know, come back to me in a year and challenge me there. It's a fair, it's a fair challenge right now, um, but man, the increased diversity that we're seeing in AEW over the last six to nine months is pretty significant. Um, you're seeing a whole bunch of minority wrestlers come in and, and really have a big impact on what they're doing there. So it's nice to see him saying something, doing something, and it doesn't feel like, I certainly don't feel like the acclaimed or top flight or Will Hobbs or any of those wrestlers that they've decided to bring in have Diamante Ivelisse have, have reduced the quality of that because they're trying to check a box. I think the wrestling is just as good and just as dynamic and there's great storytelling there. Um, and, 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 and top flight being that young and being that good in the ring is, is they're going to be impressive. Like it's when you see them run the ropes and go at the speed that like 
the young bucks have to slow down a little bit and have to slow them down a little bit. Like that's, that's pretty good in your debut. So uh, I've, I'm, I've been happy to see that increased diversity for as far as minorities go and things like that. And especially in AEW's programming. And, and it's been a nice, it's been a nice shift from what they had done before. Yeah. Yeah. I would, I would agree with that. And in a lot of ways, it's that way across wrestling, not so much in, not so much in like New Japan. New Japan's right. pretty. Um, Japan. they, don't, they don't even have women's division, right? But they they bought a women's company, so we'll we'll see. Um, but well, we're supposed to see. Have... We're supposed to be a. Is there? There's supposed to be a women's match at at Wrestle Kingdom, though, right? Yeah, one of the days. Yeah, start a match on the. It's a dark match for yep. night two. Yep, so, that'll be good. And there was last year too on night one. Stardom had a had a match. So, um, but WWE, I think is is pretty diverse as well so I, I think that's i think that's fair and it's good um i and and i have a similar one and it, what it, it's not quite a long it's not quite the same but the health and depth of the women's division in wwe and an impact they both have and nxt for that matter they're all very good women can main event any show that they're on um as well as the depth of the tag division in aew um the, re- the reason i put those together is because you know, we've we've had basically 30 years of, you know, the male match being on top and stuff like that and not really having any depth in the other divisions whatsoever. Um, maybe you only have two female athletes. So that we've come a long way from that. Um, and on the AEW side, they have spent a lot of time on tag teams and they continue to grow those tag teams with Top Flight, Caster and Bowen, to the acclaimed and these other teams that are coming in. So... You know, I, it's it's nice again. Goes kind of back to what I said about pure tag team wrestling is different, and it gives you different dynamic, and it's something else to watch on the show besides two two guys in the middle of the ring. So, I would agree. Yep. Okay, what's the last thing you're you're thankful for? I guess in wrestling, I, and it slowed a little bit because of the pandemic, but volume of quality content. Gosh, it's very hard to come up with a day of the week where you can't throw something on the TV and you're watching good quality wrestling. I think, you know, a rising tide lifts all boats is definitely true. I mean, seeing seeing where Impact is now with regard to the product that they're putting on TV versus a year or so ago when they kind of started that whole thing, mm-hmm. very, very different. MLW coming back and doing a couple of things, ROH it just seems like the caliber of product for wrestling bell to bell that we're seeing is good storylines, obviously, uh, you know, everybody's had their own issues with regard to storylines being a little bit cringy here and there. Um, and some of them have been very, very good. So, but, but I think, you know, you look back at the history of wrestling and that's kind of what you get. You get a mixed bag of really good storytelling and really outlandish out there storytelling. So I would say, you know, the health and the quality of the performance has definitely increased um, pretty drastically with, with that much content being out there. And I think it's been good as a, as a, as a fan of wrestling in general, it's been great for me because I can, you know, see somebody from one show go over to another show or vice versa and be really, really good. So I think in general, the volume of the quality content has, has been insane. Yeah, it's almost on, you know, it's, I, my wife and I joke that Thursday night's the only night I really have off at the moment because mm-hmm. there's there's live wrestling on every other night, pretty yep. much. Yep. My um, my last one on the on this side of the list uh, is is again similar. Um, I said the amount of independent wrestling that exists. Um, obviously, it'll get better when the pandemic ends, mm-hmm. but 
when I lived in Maryland a few months ago, I followed Maryland Championship Wrestling very, very closely. Um, and now that I'm in Florida, I have access to several others, uh, CCW, Ignite, uh, All Elite Wrestling, not, not necessarily independent, but but the point being is that there any wherever you live, there is probably one or two indies within a half hour to 45 minute drive. And um, it's nice. You can watch people on the way up. You can watch people that will never go up but have been wrestling and put out good work their entire careers at that indie. So they're well known in that area and they get, you know, there's they're a biggest as big a local star as, you know, Drew or Moxley are at a national level. Yep. So. Yep. I, I think that's that's absolutely accurate. And we're gonna see more of that. Again, when you have this many feeder programs that they can go out to and be successful and have that be their full time job, you're gonna see an increase in that. I just saw there's one of the local places in Buffalo that does uh, wrestling training and they had a snapshot of their new class and there was 20 guys in there and there've been times before in the past where they were only working with three or four, you know, yeah. so there's definitely yeah. an increase in the number of people that are engaged with the industry as a whole, for sure. And think about how many more feeder systems you actually need to supply talent to all these national shows. Yeah. I mean, impact has a full roster, AWS have a full roster. They're all traveling to Mexico and Japan and things like that. So, yep. You know, it's going to take a lot of feeder systems to get the quality of talent out. So, for sure. I expect it to, to continue. Yeah. And I think there's more coming. I mean, I'm surprised at this point with the with the sheer number of streaming services that we're seeing. We haven't seen the Peacock or Netflix or anything like that decide to take on a wrestling franchise. It seems like a natural fit that Amazon Prime would pick up something and run with it Or at this point. I'm sure those projects are in the works. Um, we just haven't seen them come to light yet. And you could see seasonal wrestling similar to Lucha Underground or something like that yeah. come, into, come into the fold for sure. Well, stay tuned to the Daily Wrestling News Show, folks, because when that news breaks, we'll cover it here. <laughs> okay, that's the uh, that rounds out the list, right? You don't have any other nope, lists. Yep. Okay. So things we're hoping for in in wrestling in the coming year or what or the future. Uh, I'll start with this list since okay. you started with the last one. Fair enough. So I am hoping that AAA Lucha Libre English commentary and better availability comes along. Um, if, if you want to, if you want to start following AAA, it's a nightmare. It's a nightmare to figure out where it is, when it is, and then I mean, finding it with just Spanish commentary is hard. So finding with English commentary only usually on the big show. So that's that's something I'm really hoping for that we get to see in the next year. I'll give them two years, but yeah, I agree with that. I mean, the AAA presentation is so much fun they did the avengers crossover thing with on top of the last show with brian cage coming out as thanos and stuff and it's just a lot of fun wrestling there i would say the same thing about dragon gate dragon gate has some really good shows yeah. and my gosh trying to find them and pin those down especially with the availability of things like twitch and facebook and different things like that where you can put them out there for not very much cost um yeah, I would like to see the same thing, like some commentary. And, and I would be surprised if you didn't see somebody come along and do some sort of a watch along presentation or something like that over the over the top of the regular Spanish commentary. Um, but yeah, give me Gino Gambino doing AAA all day. I'll listen to it. For sure. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, you know, and CMLL too. I mean, if CMLL wins that race, I'll watch them first. You know? Sure, sure. Yep. Doesn't matter to me. Just get it available. Because it's right now, it's not available. Yeah, so. for sure. Um, okay. 
Your turn. I'm going to be a little more specific in my requests for what I want to see next week. <laughs> uh, so number one on my list is I want to see Jay White win the G1. Um, he has the last three years put up 12 points every single year. As far as consistency of performance goes without being the winner, it's pretty unprecedented. Um, 12 points in last year, 12 points the year before, 12 points in 18. Like, let's let's get him through the G1 championship for once. Let's 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 have him hold the big trophy and smash it down or whatever he wants to do with it. But let's let's get him in there. You know, I, as long as I've been watching, never has a heel won. I know. It's, it's all good like guys. A, Come on. <laughs> well, it's like a heel winning the Royal Rumble. Everybody wants the the feel good story leading into the big show. So they yeah, that's, that's fair. But you know, the thing with Jay White, you know, given time, he's such a good heel. If he turns babyface, he'll go he'll oh. go but it'll go bananas, he'll go bonkers. So uh if that happens, I think he's a shoe in for all sure. the reasons you just said. Yep. Uh, so we'll see. Yeah. Okay, mine my next one. I'll probably get some heat for this, but uh, WWE to introduce long-term storylines <laughs> for uh-huh. the undercard and to think about why they're doing things. So my, my number four on the list is WWE figures it out. Okay. So I'm, I'm right along the lines with you. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It's just, it, I guess fr- that's frustrating to me when somebody goes on and you, you see somebody go on for three weeks and then they're pulled and you're like, well, there was a bunch of loose ends or, um, they bring up Otis and Tucker with no real plan for either of them. Um, those kind of things like that. Otis wins the money in the bank with no real plan for that. Um, you know, those those things bother me. <laughs> yeah, just just even come up like you've got TV shows. Come up with an ending. Just just tie it up. It doesn't yeah. have to be great, but don't leave it out there flapping. And it, you know, it it almost looks like they just got things that are going a million different directions and stuff like that. And it, I, I can't imagine being the talent in the middle of that situation going, Oh, we've got a three week push. And then I'm pulled from the show and like my angle's gone and there's no real explanation or anything like that. Like it, it takes some legitimacy out of the product and it says, Oh, it really is. Well, it's not all about the ratings. It's all about the advertisers. Well, is it all about the ratings or not? Because if, if I wasn't getting a number during that segment, would you keep running me? Probably the answer is yes. You know, like they can look at those data points too. So yeah, ha- like let's not be the joker so much. Let's have a plan and, and decide yeah. to go through with it and figure it out. Or at least realize, okay, you know what? We started writing this program. It hasn't gone swimmingly. Let's come up with a clean way to just tie it up and end it and move on to the next one. As opposed yeah. to just, you know, we're going to turn the cameras on somebody else. Right, right. I would agree. Okay, so so you hit your number four in there too. So back mm-hmm. to me, right? Yep. Okay. AEW's second show comes along and it's good. That's that's my next one. I mean, I just, I'm so fearful of them putting out another show and having it flop or not be as important as Dynamite. I really want them to put out a second show, preferably not against another show at the same time because that's a nightmare. And then I want it to be good. Yeah. We, well, we talked about Thursday being an open date, right? So if yeah. they were going to do their filming and stuff like that, they, you know, fly the talent in on, on, on Tuesday or whatever to do the pre-production and do the Wednesday. So they could do a Wednesday, Thursday. I still want them to go to AEW dose. Like we were talking, like I talked about many months ago and say, okay, you know what? We're coming out with a wrestling show and it's focused on specifically just tag team wrestling. You yeah. can get a whole ton of wrestlers in the ring 
with tag team wrestling only. They've got such a solid tag team division and stuff. I don't want it to go away from Dynamite, but boy, it would be really nice if they featured it on both ends of it. They can do up and coming talent. You can have, you know, younger wrestlers wrestling with older wrestlers that kind of help them through the matches and stuff like that and give them some time, camera time. My, my concern is when they talked about announcing the second show, they talked about it not really being all focused on wrestling and the brand and this and that. And like, I, I, I don't know, I don't want it to be like a BTE kind of thing or anything like that where we're, you know, we're off in this, this weird character development land that's outside of kayfabe and different things like that. I think they already have a show that does that really, really well. So yeah, that was, that was in my, that was in my numbers as well, as far as what I hope for it, you know, maybe it'll, maybe, you know, maybe an, I, something like a, like a studio style, thing where they throw it to matches you know things like that kind of a, like a, some of the old wwe shows used to be sure yep, that would some, something like that i think Might it's good there was a, there was a there they they filed and not that trademarks mean anything but they filed for a trademark on elevation the other day um so there's a, there's certainly a chance that maybe that's the reasoning for them filing for that trademark so we'll see yeah that or they're hiring will osprey could be. I'll take it. I'll take either one of those things. <laughs> uh, okay. My so that hit one of yours as well. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Okay. Um, so next one is WWE to begin announcing matches ahead of time. Nothing irritates me more than going into a three-hour show without knowing anything on the card. Yeah. And and to me, it's like okay, that's maybe that's a personal preference for me. But what about the four million people that aren't watching wrestling right now on Mondays? <laughs> so yeah, it's maybe so maybe weird. something to look forward to. Like it's certainly a bigger thing, it seems at least to me, like they do that on SmackDown because they just assume that people are gonna show up and watch it on Fox. But I mean, even you know, last week I jokingly texted you and said ROH has more announced matches than, than SmackDown does on <laughs> Friday night. Like they had two matches announced. It's a go home show into a pay-per-view. The pay-per-view was very, very good. Um, but man two matches for your build for your card and stuff like that. Like I, I, I get it. Surprise is important. You want to, you want to swerve the audience a little bit and stuff like that. But you know, some of those matches that they don't announce are really, really good. And I think they draw viewers in and to not I announce agree. them seems strange. I mean, I get it. The storyline stuff where you're telling the storyline and a match breaks out, like we saw last night on raw, that, that makes a whole ton of sense, but yeah, they should announce more matches. I, I don't, I don't think so, though, because there's no reason why that situation can't happen and they can't announce that match for next week. Sure. You know? Absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, that just requires one week of advanced planning. That's yep. all. <laughs> Never agree. So, uh, okay. On to you. So I, uh, I have Orton gets another title. I really firmly believe that he should be the one that, that surpasses – Rick with his 16 title reign, we're at 14. I think he needs to knock off another title this year coming up. Um, I don't know where they're going with this particular storyline and stuff like that, but I think that he could definitely, you know, whether they decide to pop him. He hasn't been on SmackDown. Seems yeah. odd. You got a blue chipper. He could certainly pop a rating over there on Fox. I don't know if that's his own saying. I wants he wants to be on Raw and stay on Raw. But man, you know, send him over to send him over to SmackDown after they do whatever they're gonna do with with Roman with this build and like a Roman Randy program, I think would be real attractive for me the second half of next year. Um, you know, and with Randy Orton wins the title, he doesn't need to win it for long because no. he's not he's not really somebody that you want carrying the championship. You want he's he's a heel chaser that's actually. 
kind of fun because mm-hmm. it's this foreboding like dread that Randy Orton's gonna, you know, do something maniacal to win the title. Like mm-hmm. it's a, he's almost better in a chase situation. He's less compelling if he is the champion. Right. And the, the nice thing about him is even though he's a he's a fantastic wrestler, regardless of who you decide to throw at him, it's believable that he can get beaten. Right. Doesn't matter if you got a small guy beating on him or a big guy beating on him. Like he's not this, he doesn't have to be this Brock type character that's just like this unstoppable juggernaut. He's, you know, for WWE, he's an average sized guy that wrestles an average style wrestling and stuff like that and and can work with anybody. His this work with styles is fantastic. Um, you know, it 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 would be interesting to see him. I, I'd like to see him in against Roman right now. I think you're using a lot of your a lot of your ammunition. Um but Roman should get through this. I, I'd love to see a second half of year Roman Roman versus Randy in some kind of program, however they decide to do it. Okay, sure. My final one is the NWA returns with original content. Yeah. Um, they're kind of in the fake it till you make it standpoint right now where they've, they're have they putting on shows that are rebroadcasting matches that have already been on and stuff like that. Original content from them would be good. It's another, you know, a theme throughout my entire diatribe today has been the uniqueness now the studio show is not for everybody the less than five minute matches are not for everybody but they did a pretty good job of telling storyline in that setting the crowd was amped it was always sold out in the the gpb studios or whatever it's unique so i like it so come back please (laughs) yeah (laughs) i would agree a lot of a lot of their good talent got plucked you know when they went when they went dark for a period of time you know the those studio shows are as good as the people are on the mic, right? So you need people on the mic that are going to be able to tell a good story when you're doing a five minute squash or whatever with no ceiling, you know, there's, there's, they're not high flyers. So, you know, corralling some more talent to fill those spots. I think that's, that's pretty critical for their success moving forward for sure. And one of the things that they were, they were very focused on is exactly what you said, finding talent that could speak. And I, you know, they did, and that's why people like Ricky Starks got plucked for AEW. Absolutely. And uh, Taz doesn't really Eddie speak. Kingston, you could yeah. say the same thing for sure. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Okay, you got one more. I do. Back to full live audience by the end of the year. So, um, yeah, let's get people back in the back in the arena with with all the changes coming up in the world and stuff like that. I'm my prediction is, and, and maybe I'm going a little bit later than what we actually see, but I. I'm thinking that we see fuller arenas, maybe SummerSlam, all-out timing. So late August, early September. I think all-out all is a really important show for AEW. Um, I think they'd want to see a big full house for that. And SummerSlam, obviously one of the big fours for WWE. It's later in the season. There'll be plenty of time for everybody to get vaccines and things like that as they want them. So I think that for me, it's a more realistic date than for me to think of, oh, we're going to see a full arena at WrestleMania, as sad as that sounds like April, I don't think we're going to have enough time for that, but we'll see. No, I, th- I think the spring you might be able to see some relaxed guidelines, but it's not going to be like open the floodgates and have, and it won't, it may not be attractive for any of these companies to travel still. Sure. So, so like you said, it, it might be towards the third quarter into the, even into the fourth quarter before we have full arenas traveling. I mean, I want to get back to it. I want to get back on a plane and travel and watch shows live. <laughs> like, I spent all the year before doing that. I feel safe doing it, right? I mean, that's... Yeah, exactly. 100%. 100%. So, okay. That's what we like. That's what we want. Um, let's do Royal Rumble speculation. 
Sounds good. Okay. If you want it. So, I mean, it's kind of like throwing things at the wall at this point. We're we're far we're close enough to start thinking about it, but it's we haven't seen the storylines line up to where we can be accurate about it. Sure. So now it's just kind of like, well, what would be kind of interesting? Mm-hmm. So, for me on the male side, I can put a storyline together where Drew McIntyre loses the belt at Royal Rumble and then enters it and wins and challenges Roman. That's that's one option for me on the male side. What do you got? That's very interesting. Um, so I didn't I didn't look at storyline as much as I looked at potential entrance to the Rumble and mm-hmm. who I think could we could see. Um, so active roster guys that I think we would see kind of coming back. We haven't seen Braun Strowman for a while. Obviously, he's a rumble presence for sure. We haven't seen Jinder Jinder Mahal for a while. He's a big imposing dude that would be interesting for the rumble. And then Daniel Bryan. He's on my list. He hasn't been around for a little bit, you know. So as far as active guys or guys that we haven't seen in a little while, those three make a heck of a lot of sense for me to possibly show them in the rumble. Now, the interesting thing about last year is in years past, it seemed like they stuffed – the rumble with a bunch of gimmicky type guys and stuff like that outside of MVP who ended up being a, a very big deal for them on the show. We didn't see any of that in the rumble, right? We saw no, the majority of the people are think people that you could make a case for winning. Oh, hundred percent. Right. We didn't see a Santino show up or, you know, well, he any was of that kind rumble. of stuff. So he was right. He was in the women's rumble. We didn't see him <laughs> in the men's rumble. We didn't see any, you know, the gobbledygooker didn't come out. We didn't see any of that. Um, we did see some NXT stars and the NXT stars, got propelled to the main roster. So looking at the NXT crop right now, my the two that I think could make Rumble appearances are obviously Karrion Cross to me um, and and Dexter Loomis are two interesting people that I think would be, you know, bigger bigger guys in the Rumble that would be nice to see even if they don't get moved up to the main roster immediately. It depends on obviously what Cross has going on whether he's holding the belt or not, whether we'll see him in that role, but Dexter Loomis could certainly show up or Cross or this could be the time when we see, you know, them decide to do something with the undisputed era as well. Um, we'll see how much crossover NXT gets with the with the main show when it comes to that kind of stuff. I mean, I really like the Karrion Cross pick because this would never happen because he's not on Vince's radar yet. But I could see Karrion Cross winning and be a good challenger for either Drew or Roman. They could build a really good storyline. He's got a really good entrance that'll look awesome in the Thunderdome, all that stuff. He's technically sound, been doing this for years. So, I mean, I could see him winning. He was on my list. Keith Lee's on my list. Brock Lesnar's on my list of somebody who could come back. Um, you know, with all this talk about ratings, I wouldn't be surprised to see him pop up so, at some point. So I had Brock on my list, and I took Brock off my list because, you know, they pulled all the Brock stuff off the site. And so they are they must be in the middle of some legal-ish thing going on there. So sure. in, in, And there's a whole bunch of people that I would put on the list if I, if I knew today – like if it was going to be a live rumble, I think it'd be very different, right? Like I have for my, for my guys outside of the situation, I've got Goldberg and I've got edge. Um, yeah. I think either one of those two, I think edge definitely. Um, but I think we could see Goldberg come in too. I don't think they're going to spend the money on Dwayne Johnson coming into a Thunderdome esque no. crowd. Yeah. And I think Brock with his money kind of falls into that category. Um, Goldberg, 
maybe as well, but I think they need somebody big that's going to come back and kind of stun that crowd. So I think they're willing to shell out for one person, but I don't think we're going to see what we potentially see given the situation with the ratings and stuff at a live show audience right now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. How about on the women's side? So women's side, uh, the two that I have for speculative, I've got Ronda Rousey and I've got Tess Blanchard as yeah. interesting people to show up for, for Royal Rumble. We Still haven't seen confirmation or denial that Tess is with WWE, but I think she's certainly interesting. And Rhonda, there's been a couple of videos of her training and stuff like that. Whether that translates to her being on the show, ultimately, I don't know. But Rumble seems like a good place to run her. You can run a Rumble through Mania and then kind of get her out of there again if you need to. So, In recent memory, AJ Styles and the Good Brothers are the only people that I can think of that went to WWE main roster without going through NXT. And, and Rousey, Rousey. Um, but Tessa Blanchard, you know, it would make sense. You know, they don't need to put her through NXT. I think she's on that, as far as the women's division side goes, I think she's on that level. They could bring her in, have her have issues with somebody at NXT. They could bring her out for the reveal for the pop and then have her go back to NXT after something in the Rumble happened. Mm-hmm. So they didn't, they wouldn't have to shoot her up main roster, but I would agree. She's had enough exposure on TV and things like that, where I don't think you have to repackage her and send her kind of through the NXT process to bring her back to main roster too. I think that her flexibility allows them a lot of opportunity there. Plus they don't want to repackage her because they want that name. Oh, correct. They, they don't want to, they don't want to trademark something different and change her last name or take it away. They want that Tessa Blanchard for Charlotte Flair thing for the future. 100%. And I mean, with Tully being over on the other side with the competitors, having the Blanchard name there, it, it matters for sure. I, I've got a predictor for, I've got a prediction for a winner though, for the women's side. I couldn't do it for the guys, but I'm going to predict uh, that, we see, that we see Bianca Belair win the, win the women's rumble. Um, I think her, her. Eight eliminations last year. Yeah. She, she was phenomenal last year. I think she's come up to the main roster and had some really good matches so far. seems like there's focus there. They've given her commentary spots right away, too, where she's because done okay she's on there. Charismatic and fun, yeah. Yep, and I think she'd be an interesting person to have going into the, you know, WrestleMania main with the, with the belt as well. Young, energetic, enthusiastic, solid wrestler. Um, so she's who I'm going to early predict for for the Rumble winner for the women's side of things. Is it Bianca versus Charlotte or Bianca versus uh, Sasha? You think? I think that would be real interesting, right? Um, you've got two likable. Well, it's funny how quickly all of a sudden Sasha has become likable, right? Like she was the, you know, yeah. one, of the, one of the two worst women on the planet. And then in, you know, 60 days, we have come full circle on her being wonderful again. And I think that kind of speaks to who Sasha is. I think, you know, some, some wrestlers do a better job as a heel than a face. I think she's, she's just, she's a good face. She's, she's snotty and bratty as a heel, but as a face, I think she's interesting and she carries herself well. Bianca could go either way. We saw her do some heel work on NXT for sure. Um, She's interesting. Um, I think that would be a hell of a, would be a hell of a WrestleMania match. The two of them going at it for sure. What about Rhea Ripley? Man, you know, I I feel bad for Rhea Ripley. Uh, she went from just so hot and on fire and stuff to having to go through, you know, mania not being live with fans and stuff like that. I think that really hurt her brand. It really hurt her presentation and stuff. Um, 
I, I love her. I think she's a great wrestler. I think she's good on the mic. Her, her presentation is, is unique in a, in a good way. I, I, it, she's, she's a big personality and stuff. It would be great to see her up on the main right now. Um, she's one of those ones that could, 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 you know, she's, she's, she's been a face, but boy, she could be a really, really good heel up on the main roster too. So I, I have a theory that she was probably supposed to get promoted to the main roster after mania last year, except the current state of affairs. They said, okay, let's delay it. Let's delay it. And because they delayed it, they didn't give her anything on NXT because they were planning on her going up. That's, that's my theory. Um, so I think that it's pending any moment. And what, well, well, I would said before, I don't ever see an NXT talent coming into the rumble and winning it. Ripley could be an exception because she's had so much main roster exposure. Sure. And it's been a minute. So I could see that potentially happening. Yeah. So. She's very interesting in that, in that, in that way, for sure. Okay. Anything else on the rumble? Nope. That was, those are my touch points. I'm sure we'll talk about this again in a few weeks, but we've got trivia to do. So okay. are you stretched and ready and everything? As best as I can. I'm two cups of coffee in, so I'm, I'm feeling okay. So now. I cut you off there. Sorry about that. Okay. <laughs> well, you know the rules. Uh, there's five questions, and the majority correct gets you the W. If you win, you get the Goldberg Oscar Award. If you lose, you get a Hawkins. Are you ready for your category? Sure. Bash at the Beach, 1996. Ooh, all right. I might have watched that show. <laughs> Bash at the Beach, 1996. Took place on July 7th, 1996 from the Ocean Center in this Florida city. Miami, Daytona Beach, Jacksonville, or Tampa Bay? Was it Tampa Bay? No. <laughs> Daytona Beach. Daytona um, Beach, of course. The, the Daytona Beach Ocean Center was also the location of Jingle Brawl uh, this past weekend. Uh, past weekend, yep. yep. So, okay, you are over one. No problem. We've still got four more questions. The Hawkins is far away at this point. So Sure. The Disco Inferno lost to this man who would become a future member of the WWE Radicals. Was it A, Eddie Guerrero, B, Dean Malenko, C, Chris Benoit, or D, Perry Saturn? Perry Saturn. It was Dean Malenko. Perfect. <laughs> Perry Saturn was the Radicals, too. Yeah, all, all four of those that I mentioned were. <laughs> Psychosis lost to this famous cruiserweight. Was it A, Billy Kidman, Billy Kidman uh, B, Shane Helms, C, Rey Mysterio Jr., D, Chavo Guerrero, E, Eddie Guerrero, or F, Chris Jericho? Psychosis, huh? I don't think that was Jericho because it was. I think he wrestled Gato on that show. Uh, let's go with A, Billy Kidman. Ray Mysterio Jr. Okay. Oh, for three. The Hawkins <laughs> okay. is looming. We know where you're going. We know where you're going this week. Mm -hmm. Let's see. Let's see if you can you can rebound with this next question though. Okay. I, I if if you happen to go oh for five, I do not have a sound effect for that. Okay. <laughs> The event was famous for something very important. Explain. Who's the third man? That's right. Hulk Hogan was revealed to be the third man to 
team with the Outsiders, Nash and Hall, which ultimately led to the formation of the NWO. Hogan's portrayal is widely regarded as the greatest heel turn of all time. Okay, you got one. So, right. you know, uh, the Outsiders and Hulk Hogan beat Randy Savage, Sting, and this man in the main event was it A, Ric Flair, B, Diamond Dallas Page, C, The Giant, or D, Lex Luger. So it was Lex Luger. He actually got hurt. Didn't even participate, really. He was in the match for like five minutes, and then they carted him to the back. And we were like, ah, Lex, what a bum. (laughs) The match was probably better for that. Sorry, Lex. Oh, without a doubt. (laughs) Without a doubt. He'd even admit it. Okay. So two for five. Uh, Sorry to say, um, you're on a little streak of... I'm impressive. I'm consistent. Yeah, you're you're personally on the Hawkins streak. So mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm on my own different streak of Hawkins. It's fine. So the good news is, though, um, your score will be added to Tony T's score earlier this week, and he went five for five. So at a total of seven for ten this week is still pretty good. That's not bad, Tony. Thank you for allowing me to stand on your shoulders. <laughs> okay, well, that's our show. And uh, it return, we should return on Monday with John Smith to talk about the news of the day and whatever else we want because there's no wrestling this weekend, really. Um, and from all of us at the Daily Wrestling News Show, Minutes to Bell Time, Eastern Observer, have a happy holiday. We'll see you Monday. Happy holidays, everybody. <laughs>